Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. In today's message, Pastor J.D. shares about key Bible prophecies and where they are on the prophetic timeline. He'll remind you to live as though today is your last because it very well could be. We're living in the end times. Don't wait until it's too late to come to new life through Jesus Christ. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on March 14, 2021. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm hoping to explain how it's all going down as it relates to the fulfillment of key Bible prophecies. And by that I mean a chronological order of sorts concerning both how and when that which was foretold in Scripture will come to pass. I'm going to paint the prophetic canvas with a broad brush for a number of reasons, not the least of which is in the interests of time. And if you'll kindly allow me to, I'll begin with what I would argue are the eight main prophetic events on the end times calendar. Then, after going through this list, we're going to take a closer look at each one of them, and we're going to do that to have a better understanding of why what's happening is happening in the world today. This, this is why. <laughs> this is because it's the end. And this is what we were told it would be like at the time of the end. All right, let's go through this. Now, number one, the pre-tribulation rapture. Number two, the seven-year peace agreement. Number three, the seven-year tribulation. Number four, the battle of Gog and Magog. Number five, the abomination of desolation that takes place in the newly rebuilt temple there in Israel on the Temple Mount. Number six, the mark of the beast. Number seven, the battle of Armageddon. And number eight, finally, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So, you ready? Let's start with the next event on God's prophetic clock, which is that of the pre-tribulation rapture. Because we've gone in depth concerning the, and I want you to listen very carefully to how I say this, the sound doctrine 
of the pre-tribulation rapture. We live in a world today that is most unforgiving of any ambiguity concerning the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture. This brings us to the second one on our list, which is that of the seven-year peace agreement foretold of by the prophet Daniel. Daniel 9.27, very detailed prophecy. We've talked about this often in the past. Let me read verse uh, 27, Daniel 9, speaking of the Antichrist. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. This is a period of seven years. In the middle of the seven, the three and a half year mark, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, which again presupposes that the temple has to be there in order for there to be sacrifices and offerings. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, beginning in verse 15, Jesus actually references specifically this prophecy in Daniel. He says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, then, verse 16, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. He is delineating between the first part of the seven-year tribulation spoken of by Daniel and the second part of the seven-year tribulation, which he refers to as the great tribulation, the last three and a half years. Hang on to that. We'll come back to that in a moment. I want to draw your attention to another prophecy in Daniel. This one's in chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. Again, speaking of the Antichrist, it says, And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, and he shall destroy wonderfully. Sounds like an oxymoron, right? A paradox. <laughs> uh, one, some translations render it fearfully. And shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And, verse 25, listen, through his policy, interesting word, also, he shall cause craft, another interesting word, to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. It will come by way of peace. The destruction comes by way of peace. 
he shall also stand up against the prince of princes, that's Jesus, at the second coming. But he shall be broken without hand. That's the end of it, at the end of the seven year tribulation. Let me stay on message. It's important to understand that the aforementioned confirming of the seven year peace agreement in Daniel 9.27, that's what starts the seven year tribulation, not the rapture. The rapture does not start the seven year tribulation. The specificity of Bible prophecy is such that it is the seven year peace agreement that is confirmed. Now this is an interesting word in the original language of the Hebrew. It's the same word in my native tongue of Arabic. It's the word ikbir, which carries with it the idea of greater, superior, even spectacular. So the Antichrist, and this also again presupposes there's already an agreement on the table. And then he comes along and he makes it better greater, superior. And that's what confirms it, and starts it, and with it the seven year tribulation. Now, the specificity with which Daniel records this prophecy provides us with a divine outline, as it's been called, of this final prophetic timeline. In other words, we know that it is a seven year period. It's the 70th week of Daniel. And this prophecy delineates between the first three and a half years and the last three and a half years. Because we're told that at the three and a half year mark, and by the way, this comports with another prophecy in, of all places, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We spent some time on that in our verse by verse study through 2 Thessalonians, where the Apostle Paul talks about the Antichrist exalting himself in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And oh, by the way, as Jesus in Matthew 24 said, pray that when this happens, at the midpoint, that you're not pregnant because transportation becomes virtually impossible and more difficult, infinitely more difficult. Also pray that it's not on the Sabbath because everything shuts down. And also pray it's not in the winter because when it snows, <laughs> uh, it shuts everything down there. So they're going to flee and not even look back. When this happens, don't, don't even go back to your house and get your, you know, clothes or pack your, you know, bags. You don't have time. Flee, run. And we're told in the book of Revelation where they're going to run to, this place that God prepared for them to protect them for the last three and a half years of the seven year tribulation. It's believed that it is in modern day Jordan, a place called Petra which I had the uh, privilege of seeing. My cousin, who actually lives in Jordan, took my wife and I there. This was BC, not before Christ, before children, <laughs> when we could actually travel. And uh, we got to uh, go to Petra. Oh my goodness. 
this rock city. By the way, parenthetically, let me say that some Bible scholars believe that this is actually the place that Job lived. I mean, this is an amazing place. So it is believed that this is the place that the Jews will flee to when they realize this is not our Christ, this is not our Messiah. Our Messiah would never commit such an abomination and cause such desolation, and they will flee for the last three and a half years, and God supernaturally and miraculously will protect them from the Antichrist. This is when they come to a saving knowledge of their true Christ, Jesus the Christ. And it's really quite interesting. We've talked about the typology before, and I don't want to go too far into it. But very interesting, because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are a picture of Israel. They're thrown into a seven times hotter fiery furnace, and in the midst of that furnace they're saved. So too is Israel, whom they picture, saved in the middle of the seven-year tribulation. And it even gets better. We've talked about this before. Daniel, where is he? Oh, he's not there. Why? Because pre-furnace, he was exalted and taken up to a high position, and as such is not there. He's a picture of the church. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Daniel pictures the church. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego picture Israel going into, saved because of, in the midst of, and through the seven-year tribulation. Okay, now let's fast forward to the book of Revelation. Actually, some affectionately refer to the book of Daniel as the Old Testament book of Revelation, and rightfully so. I would suggest that The book of Revelation provides the ultimate prophetic timeline by virtue of the divine outline in Revelation chapter 1 verse 19. What does Revelation chapter 1 verse 19 say? Well now this is Jesus talking to John, and He tells John, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. In the original language is metatauta, meaning after these things. In other words, Jesus is telling John to write that which was past, that which is present, and that which will be yet future. And therein lies this divine outline that we know as the book of Revelation starting with the past, then to the present, and then to the future. Here's this divine outline in the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, past. John is told to write that which he had seen. He was an eyewitness of. What was he an eyewitness of? Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected, and glorified. Chapter 1 is all past. Chapters 2 and 3, present. Uh, you know those um, maps, or when you go to a place and you, you want to know how to get somewhere, and it says, you are here, right? Thank you. <laughs> Make sure you're still with me. You know, do we need to serve some more coffee or something? <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Maybe I had too much coffee. I don't know. But so this is where we are. Here's this, this map, Revelation. You are here. Where? Revelation chapters 2 and 3. What's Revelation chapters 2 and 3? You know, seven letters to seven churches. Church history, present. Chapter 4 verse 1 on is all future. In fact, in chapter 4 verse 1, John is told to at the sound of the trumpet, come up here. He's taken up. That's the rapture. And do you know that from chapter 4 verse 1 on, you don't find the word church mentioned even one time, but in chapters 1 through 3, the word church is mentioned 19 times. Why is that important? Because chapters 6 through 19, deal with the seven year tribulation. And the word church is not in chapter 6 through 19, dealing with the tribulation. Why? I know this is deeply profound. The word church isn't in those chapters dealing with the tribulation, because the church isn't in the tribulation. The purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. Why don't you join with me? We'll make a rap song out of that one. <laughs> Got a ring to it, doesn't it? <laughs> so chapter 6 through 19, the tribulation. Chapter 20, the millennium, the kingdom age. And chapters 21 and 22, the new heavens and the new earth. Listen, God is a God of order. <laughs> God is a God of perfect design, because God is perfect. Now this brings us to the fourth one on our list, and it's the Battle of Gog, as it's referred to, which, as I mentioned prior, we really don't have a specific timeline on when this prophecy is fulfilled. I do realize that some have grabbed a hold of Ezekiel 39 verse 9 as a reference to the seven-year tribulation vis-a-vis -vis the seven years of fuel that Israel uses for that period of time after this alliance of nations that invades Israel is dealt a devastating defeat. And by the way, it does seem to indicate that it will be very swift. Uh, some believe that it will be within a period of about 24 hours when Russia, Iran, Turkey, and this alliance of nations invade Israel, fulfilling the Ezekiel 38 prophecy, that it will happen very fast. And I love it when God does this, because we're told in Ezekiel 38 the why behind it. He says, I'm going to do it like this so that all the nations will know that I am God. Because there's no other explanation. I mean, you could, have you seen a map lately? I'm not very good at geography. I never did well in school when it came to geography. But if you, if you look at a map, here's Israel right here. You, you might miss it. You might need to, you know, kind of zoom in. It's right, right there. And then here's Russia. And here's Iran, and Turkey, and all of these nations. And you've got little 
itsy bitsy Israel. And all these nations are going to invade Israel? And they're going to be defeated? Wow, don't mess with Israel. Yeah, <laughs> because of the God of Israel. Well, I love Ezekiel 38, by the way. Hey, it's in play right now, by the way. It's already in motion. It's beginning to come to pass. Iran, Turkey, and Russia are at the ready in, of all places, Syria, from which they will invade Israel. Now, I want to draw your attention to verses 10 through 13 in Ezekiel 38. I think you'll see why here in a moment. We need to keep moving here. <laughs> Thus says the Lord God, On that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. This is speaking of Gog. This is the, God says, I'm going to put a hook in your jaw and bring you against my people. God does that. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to, listen, a peaceful people who dwell safely in peace and stability, peace and security, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited, and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Verse 13, Sheba Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, Have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? It's quite a bit of a, a detail right there for us, isn't it? Because Sheba and Dedan is modern day Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states that we know them today these Arab nations. So in other words, not only are they not involved in this invasion of Israel, which you would think they would be, as enemies of Israel, but it sounds like something happened to where now they have good foreign relations with Israel, so much so that they would protest this invasion of Israel. Well, I think you know where I'm going with this, right? What we can surmise from the details in just these verses here in Ezekiel 38 is that this invasion happens when Israel seems to be dwelling in peace and security. It's for this reason, though I'm not dogmatic, that this specific prophecy may likely be fulfilled after the seven-year peace agreement is confirmed. The Bible, though written long ago, is inspired by our Creator. God chose to speak His truth through ordinary men, but these men had their eyes fixed on their Heavenly Father. 
Their words hold a great deal of meaning for us in our world today, and maybe more so in the times we're in. Much of the activity of this world is mirrored in the pages of the Bible and is pointing to a new era that we need to be aware of. In Pastor J.D.'s weekly Mideast Prophecy Updates, he's been searching the scriptures and the news headlines and sharing with us what he's found. You can access these updates by heading to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on the YouTube link. Jesus will be returning to the earth soon to judge the evil that has been destroying it. And that return, friends, is drawing closer with each new day. Pastor J.D. tells us through these updates each week where we are in relation to Bible prophecy and how close our Savior's return just might be. No one knows the day or the hour this incredible event will take place, but we know from the Bible that we've been told what to expect in the moments leading up to this event. If we adopt a sense of anticipation in our daily walk with Jesus, we'll also gain with it an urgency to share the gospel message with the world around us. We're called to unashamedly boast about our Savior and plant the seed of hope which Jesus promises to water. Share Jesus with someone today and join us for another edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update right here on In Spirit and Truth.